So what I want to do is, if nothing else, help you understand exactly what gender ideology is. Uh, because it's a very weird thing, and honestly, I sometimes feel like uh, about half my job is really just persuading people that it really is as awful and as crazy as it seems to be. Because gender ideology is so extreme, so anti-human and anti-body and frankly anti-biology that people tend to think I must be misunderstanding this or this must just be something that happens in California and it's never going to meet me. And so just persuading people that it is actually what it looks like and it's not just edited, you know, uh, pre-edited videos on libs of TikTok. Uh, I am convinced that once people understand what gender ideology is uh, that it can be defeated, but that's not my job. That will, that will fall to some, uh, some of the others in the panel. So that's the key thing. So here's, here's the important thing to understand, is that there has been a thing that we could call gender dysphoria for a long time. Uh, but until very, very recently, gender dysphoria, so this idea, uh, a, a subjective impression of a feeling of alienation toward your sexed body. All right, so think of it as that kind of sensation. This was something that's happened to people, and it's known in the literature, but for a very long time, it was an extremely rare phenomenon, limited primarily to two groups of people, young prepubescent boys, very, very rarely, but it, it did happen, and then, say, 40-year-old men. And these are really two different kinds of, of phenomena. And so, uh, fortunately, we have an example of the 40 or 50 or 60-year-old man uh, suddenly wanting to transition in Bruce Jenner. Uh, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here, but what we're dealing with probably in most of these cases, a man who maybe lives a perfectly normal life, married, has kids, and then he decides he wants to be a woman. Uh, if you actually look at this, this is probably the result of something called autogynephilia, in which, I'm sorry, this is an adult uh, uh, event, uh, but it is the result of a kink turned in upon itself, in which a man first finds uh, himself sexually aroused by wearing women's clothing, maybe underwear, and then dresses, and then eventually becomes sexually aroused by the thought of him having a woman's body. It's a very specific thing. I think everyone would agree that that's okay. That's... That's a particular thing, um, and, but it's not something, fortunately, that is all that common. Now, something happened in 2015, which was the kind of moment that people, ordinary people suddenly became aware of this as a much larger phenomenon that we call the sort of trans phenomenon. That was the year of Caitlyn Jenner, the year that Glamour magazine declared Caitlyn Jenner Woman of the Year before taking it back. Every magazine, including National Geographic, had stuff about this. But they, these were ideas that had been percolating for a very long time. It's just that they sort of broke out into public consciousness, and it was actually a, very much a coordinated campaign in 2015. Now, so how big is this thing, and why is it that we were talking about it? If this was just, again, rare uh, young boys and 40-something-year-old men doing something like this, this wouldn't be a, a major social and political event. It is a major, and I would say civilization-determining reality because of the effects on children. There was a, a researcher at Brown University in 2017 who coined a term uh, rapid onset gender dysphoria. And it was the description of this phenomenon of kids who presented no symptoms of gender dysphoria and then suddenly, very, very often girls in this case, show up, come back from school and they tell their parents that they think that they're boys or they are uncomfortable with being 
uh, girls and they think there may be something else like this. And this was common enough uh, and had become common enough among cl uh, clinicians that Lisa Lippman, at least in her initial analysis, thought, you know, we could actually call this something. Let's call this a new phenomenon, rapid onset gender dysphoria. Now, how big of a phenomenon is this? How significant is it? Let me give you a couple of data points. In 2007, that's the year that the iPhone was first released, there was one pediatric gender clinic in the entire United States of America. There are now over 100, and that's not counting the nearly 300 Planned Parenthood clinics that dispense cross-sex hormones. So from 2007 to 2022. One other data point in the UK, because of the UK's medical system, there's a single pediatric gender clinic called Tavistock, which just a couple of months ago was actually closed down under pressure. But Tavistock, in a single decade, from 2009 to 2019, saw an increase in youth showing up at the clinic with these symptoms, an increase of 4,400%. I've not added a zero to that. In other words, a 44 times increase in the number of kids presenting with these symptoms. We're clearly dealing with some kind of profound social contagion, and it's affecting children, and it's coming at them in two directions. It's coming at them from the schools and from authority figures and from their teachers and their school counselors. It's also coming to them by way of social media. In fact, at least rough, rough estimates are that kids that start experiencing these symptoms and start thinking in these terms, uh, probably about 65% of them are first introduced to it by influencers on social media. So they're getting it absolutely everywhere. And what I want you to notice is that we have moved from a very rare psychological symptom that we could call gender dysphoria to a social phenomenon that is fed by a particular ideology and is fed by educational institutions and then enabled by a technology that we did not have before. And those things together, I think, those sort of create the tipping point in which we have uh, this social contagion that is now upon us. Now, what is it exactly? What is gender ideology? Um, in, in, in earlier life, I was actually a philosopher, and so uh, the, the one experiment that philosophers are allowed to conduct are thought experiments, all right? So um, the, the best thing we can do is to try to clarify the issue. And if you read queer theory and you read gender theory, um, you will not come away with the impression of an incredibly airtight philosophical system. Uh, that is the one thing that's absolutely lacking in this. And so actually nailing down what gender uh, ideology is, is is more difficult than you can think. But I think that you can actually distill the essence of it in this way. Think of it as a shift in our understanding and use of two words, the word sex and the word gender. So sex, as we use it in the English language, is sort of a weird word, unfortunately. We use it to refer both to the sex act and then we use it to refer to this biological reality, the fact that we're mammals and placental mammals have a particular anatomy which requires exactly one male and one female fertile uh, in order to mate, in order to give offspring. Uh, and the female uh, is essentially, minimally at least, the, uh, the individual um, that at some point in her life cycle, at least under normal development, will, will uh, produce and nurture large, mostly 
immobile gametes, and the male under normal development will at some point uh, in his life cycle minimally uh, produce small mobile gametes, right? So I've given you, that's a kind of tedious way of putting it, but this is a well-understood phenomenon and it's called sex. And there are exactly two of them, males and females, and two gametes. And now you might be wondering about the intersex thing, we won't talk about that, but that's, that's not an exception. And it has nothing to do with gender ideology in any case, all right? So that's sex. We have another word, gender, that is a kind of, it's a rough synonym for sex, unfortunately. It's, it's related to our word genealogy and uh, genre and genus and production. It's sometimes the kind of polite synonym that people use. You don't want to use the word sex, you would use the word gender. But we tend to more, uh, be more familiar with the word in grammatical contexts because at least in languages other than English, uh, words very often are masculine, feminine, or neuter. And so we talk about that as gender. Now what happened though is that at some point in the last 30 years, the word sex to refer to this biological reality dropped out of our lexicon so that even in doctor's offices, and you're supposed to check a box, we will use the word gender, right? And by itself, that was not especially significant. The use of a word gender for sex, but it's more or less a synonym. And if you, look, if you follow uh, the word gender in federal, federal law, you'll discover that until recently, it was just used as a kind of confused word for sex. But something else was happening in the conceptual universe, all right, underneath this, in which there was a subtle word shift that no one thought was significant. And then what these words referred to were shifted. All right, so the same lexicon, but a different dictionary. Think of gender ideologues have the same lexicon that we do. They use mostly the same words, but they mean different things by them. And so gender came to be a stand-in for something called gender identity, all right? So that sex, as male and female, is something that's a fact about nature, right, that you discover, gets replaced with something that's entirely internal and psychological and immaterial and subjective, all right? And so if you think, does that mean that gender ideology denies the sexual binary, that is exactly what I'm saying. And if you think that's crazy, uh, I, I want to prove it to you with two pictures. All of uh, you should have a copy of this. So this is how the idea is explained to school children uh, in most of our schools, including probably your kids' schools, unless you've actually verified that they're not using it. So there was a nice guy that tried to describe gender ideology for school kids using something called the gender-bred person. So look at this picture first, all right? So most of you have seen this, right? So, but, but you will see in these two pictures the distillation of gender ideology in its in its fullness. So the gender-bred person is designed to help teach kids not to think about people as boys and girls, but to think about everyone in terms of these different aspects of themselves. And we can think of these four different aspects. Identity, which is sort of what you identify as, and notice in the gender-bred person, it's identified with the brain. Then attraction, which is our emotional or our sexual attraction toward other people, which we might call our orientation. Then our expression, which is how we dress and how we talk and whether we wear makeup and uh, the inflections in our voice, that's, that's our expression. And then there's our sex, which is a biological category, all right? Um, and notice that they all sort of exist on a spectrum of womanness 
and manness. So the idea was to kind of is take soft young minds and get them thinking in terms of these different aspects rather than in terms of male or female. Now you'll notice this is version 3.3 of the genderbred person. Because I may have told you, so this came in for a vicious attack by gender ideologues who said he had gotten this terribly wrong. Now what do you think would be offensive to a gender ideologue about this image? All right, based upon what I told you, you can probably guess. So I'll just tell you, this is why this is incredibly problematic. First, identity is identified with the brain, which is a physical, biological thing. Uh, two, it looks problematically like a boy, right? Come on, people. You notice it looks like a male. Um, and three, biological sex. Right? This is still anchored in biology, and so it needed to be replaced. Now, there is a, 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 a more recent version of the genderbred person, but this gender unicorn is the perfect expression of gender ideology. And what I want you to see is what has changed. That's all I want you to, I want you to notice. And if you see what's changed, you'll see what gender ideology claims. So first of all, notice the androgyny, right? So not, neither male nor female. Notice the identity is no longer a brain. It's just a thought bubble. Right? It's just a rainbow. It's a purely subjective, immaterial reality. And then notice what has replaced sex. Sex assigned at birth. That is gender ideology. Biological sex, human nature rooted in nature, is replaced by an entirely subjective impression of your identity and then an entirely socially constructed reality that we used to call sex, but is ultimately simply a social convention of something that happens in hospitals. So if you think that gender ideology is the claim that biological reality is trumped by entirely immaterial and subjective ideas we have about ourselves inside your head, you have got it exactly right. It's a fundamentally anti-life and anti-human ideology. It's coming for our kids and we have to do something about it. Thank you very much.